Right, I'm just going to read from a few notes this morning um, because the message I taped this morning in the church ministering to the people wasn't recorded because I must have forgot to switch the microphone on. But I just want to take a reading from the Bible now. And we're on the third week of the book of Revelation, in our study. Behold, and it's Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. And the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Behold, he is coming with clouds. Now, who is he? Well, he is the Lord Jesus Christ in all his risen power and glory. And it says that every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, those who nailed him to the cross, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Who is the Alpha and the Omega? The Lord Jesus Christ again is risen power and glory. He is the beginning and the end. And you will find other scriptures in the Bible that refer to him as the Alpha and the Omega in the book of Revelation. And he is the Almighty. Mighty God. And so Almighty God is coming back and returning to this earth in his risen power and glory. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Even they have pierced him. Now, we were speaking about the second coming of Christ this week to the earth. And um, the, the Bible speaks about this in different places. But I want to speak about the second coming today because there are different views on the second coming. And um, we need to understand that there are different views on it. And this week I want to speak about the, I believe, is the right view. But I'll just mention a few of the views that people hold to. We've got number one, the premillennial pre-tribulation view. We've got the premillennial post-tribulation view. We've got the premillennial mid-tribulation view. We've got the premillennial pre-tribulation view, partial rapture view. We've got the premillennial pre-wrath rapture view. We've got the evangelical post-millennial view. We've got the St. Augustine amillennial view. We've got a second amillennial view. And so we have quite a few views here. But which is the right one? Now, a common view that has been popular over many years uh, by the born-again Christian church, and which I held to as a young believer, is the first one that I mentioned, the premillennial pre-tribulation view. And what they believe is that the, uh, the speak, speaking about Daniel's 70th week, that's the seven last years of this age, each day being a year. So it's seven years before the return of Jesus Christ, that at the beginning of those seven years, the church will be raptured, and then the world will grow through great tribulation. But we will be raptured completely out of it, and we won't face tribulation. Now, that might be a common and popular view, uh, especially in uh, Great Britain and America, because we're so used to our comfortable Christian living. But for many people, uh, Christians throughout the world, they're suffering tremendous persecution. And the persecution is mainly coming from Islam um, fanatics who are who feel threatened by the Christian church in many places in this world. I have a few facts here. But I have a magazine here, and it's called The Sword Magazine. It's a Christian magazine, and uh, it's called Saints Under Fire, the article. And um, it goes on to say, The World Evangelical Alliance estimates some 200 million Christians are currently experiencing persecution around the world. This report, sourced from Voice of the Martyrs, gives a brief, brief glimpse of trials that call us to urgent prayer and action. And we've got um, Muslims make full use of Australia's freedom of speech, uh, but Christian pastors were prosecuted for vilification of Islam. So this is happening in Australia as well. And we've got um, 
Uzbekistan and uh, a pastor sentenced to four years in exile. And then we have a girl in Malawi. She bears the scars of a brutal attack in which her three Christian friends were beheaded a steady, by Muslims. A steady campaign of terror attacks on Christians by Muslims in Sulawesi underscores the island's status as a key Southeast Asian militant breeding ground. And then we've got tensions running high in Pakistan as Pakistan police guard the home of a man who was falsely accused of blasphemy by Muslims and the crowd demanded his immediate execution. And we've got churches in Kenya being targeted. So tribulation is happening and we have this estimate here of 200 million Christians are currently experiencing persecution around the world. So it's happening now. So the church is not escaping persecution. It's a common view held by Christians, like I say, in UK and America, because we've got so used to the comfortable Christian life. And it won't touch us because, you know, it, it, we're going before it happens. But that's not true. And why does God allow persecution? Well, God allows persecution to come to purge and purify his church, to prepare them for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because uh, within the church today, there are false believers, there's false doctrine, there's different gospels. We've got a social gospel that is leading many people astray. And there's confusion, especially in church in the West, in the church in the West, about who is a Christian and who isn't. And so God um, is going to come and sort the the uh, confusion out by sifting the chaff from the wheat by allowing persecution to come to the church so that the church will be prepared for his second coming and so uh, uh, i just want to start here by saying behold he is coming with clouds again and every eye will see him even though peace and they'll see the lord jesus christ coming back in his risen power and glory now the second coming is in two stages christ is coming for his church number one that's the rapture, that's when we will be caught away. And then Christ is coming with his church. Now, we need to understand uh, that, that period of time. And that is um, all connected with Daniel's 70th week. That's the last seven years of this age. Now, Christ is coming for his church, the rapture. Now, I don't hold to that view of um, that uh, pre-millennial tribulation uh, uh, rapture view. That means we're going to be raptured before the um, uh, the seven years start at the beginning of the seven years. I don't hold to that, but what view I do hold to, and it's a scriptural view, I believe, because it ties in what I've just said, because these things are already happening, is that we will go through great tribulation, the church. We're already in the birth pains of tribulation. The church will enter more and more into tribulation until midweek. That's uh, three and a half years into Daniel's 70th week, then the church will be raptured. And so God has a work to do. He's preparing his bride and making his bride ready. And the beginning of it is through these trials and tribulations that are coming to his church right now. He's not coming for a defeated church. He's coming for a victorious church. And these trials and tribulations will sift out the chaff from the wheat and will also um, will prepare a people for the Lord, but also produce a people of great power doing great signs and wonders in these end times and i believe that god has a particular plan for young people in these end times and will raise up a powerful bold proclaimed prophet prophetic scripture proclaiming young people to proclaim the word of god amongst the nations in these end times he's already preparing them and um and calling them to do this and he might be calling you today what I advise you to do today is surrender your whole life to Jesus Christ because if you want to be effective for him, he wants full surrender. 
And so here we are in the mid of Daniel, middle of Daniel's 70th week. The church has been raptured. So what happens uh, to the next three and a half years? Well, I don't hold to the common view that the last seven years is the great tribulation. I believe the first three and a half years will be the great tribulation for the church and it will increase as the time goes on as we move more towards the centre, the midweek. But when will the church has been raptured, then the God will pour out his bowls of wrath upon the earth. The angels will pour out the bowls of God's wrath upon the earth and that will be the time of the wrath of God. And God has not appointed his church unto wrath, his born again church, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so at the end, uh, uh, now during that period of time when the bowls of wrath have been poured out upon the um, the earth, upon the people who have rebelled against God and who have rejected the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ, the church will be in heaven. And when the church is in heaven, the church will stand before the beam of seat of Christ and will receive re rewards for the things done in the body, whether they are good or bad. And if, if a faithful service, now this is not the great round throat judgment, we're not being judged for sin as such. What we're being judged for is, have we served the Lord and been fully committed and done uh, done the will of God from our heart and been disciples of Jesus and the works we've done have been led by the Holy Spirit or have we done our own thing as Christians well if we've done our own things those works uh, the, the fire will test every man's work and the fire will burn up the chaff it will burn up the the straw the hay the wood and so on and uh, then we'll have nothing left only those works that have been produced by the Holy Spirit within us uh, uh, through our obedience to Lord Jesus Christ but for those who have fully served Jesus and gone his way and obeyed his will then that work that you've done will be gold and even though the fire refines it it will be tested and found precious and there will be rewards for faithful service and so it's important for all of you who are listening today that you surrender your whole lives to God and be faithful in your service to the Lord because it will be rewarded now after after the, um, the beamer seat, after the rewards and all that sorted out, then it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And all the born-again church will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We read about it in Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 to 9. So let's just turn to Revelation 19, verse 7 to 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And so these are the stages of the bride um, being prepared on this earth right now through the tribulation that the church will enter, purification of the church. And then the second stage is when we stand before the beamer seat and the fire will test every man's work. And then we have the great marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we're all ready. And now, um, it's at that point when the seven years will end on the earth and it will be time for the return of Jesus Christ to the earth with his saints, with his saints. And so that is great. But let me get back to the rapture and then I'll come on to this part where he's going to come back to the earth with his saints. Now the rapture is the first stage um, because I said the second coming is in two stages. And if we look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 15 to 17, it says this about those who have died in Christ. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain Christians born again shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And that's speaking about the rapture when we'll be caught away midweek, Daniel's um, in the middle of Daniel's 70th 
week, three and a half years into that week. And then there's another scripture relating to this, which is speaking about the rapture. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be all be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye. And the last trumpet will sound, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So that's 1 Corinthians 15. 51 and 52 says the trumpet will sound this is the last trumpet uh, which we read about in revelation chapter 11 now let me just and that verse i've just read those verses 1 1 corinthians 15 51 and 52 now let me just have a look in revelation chapter 11 about the seventh trumpet and it goes on in verse 15 then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our lord and of his christ and he shall reign forever and ever and the twenty-four elders who sat before god on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped god saying we give you thanks o lord god almighty the one who is and who was and who is to come because you have taken your great power and reigned and the nations were angry and your wrath has come you see it's at the point where the trumpet blows the church will be raptured and it says and the nations rang and your wrath has come the bowls of god's wrath are being poured out the time of your wrath has come it has come to this earth and I wouldn't like to appear on this earth when God pours out his wrath. He's a long-suffering God, he's a merciful God. God is not willing that any should perish, but all comes that all should come to repentance. But as in the days of Noah, God is long-suffering. But a time will come, like it did in Noah's days when he was preparing that ark, and God, through his long-suffering, was preaching the gospel through Noah. Noah was preaching the word of God, telling people to get into the ark, and they weren't taking any notice. But a time came when God's long-suffering was over, his grace was over, and the judgment came, the great flood came. And that's what this um, the Bible is speaking about when, he's, when it says, basically, the time will be up. And then it goes on to say, two men will be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. We'll be taken out of it before these bowls of wrath come out. Then the day of his grace will be over, and it'll be time for an outpouring of the wrath of God. Now, when the wrath of God comes, this world is going to get an awful shot because God is awesome, and God is angry with sin the sin of mankind has reached heaven now especially through the laws of many governments in this country and throughout the world have changed the laws um, basically to uh, oppose the gospel in the name of jesus christ and the word of god which is the bible at one time this country was based upon the laws of the bible but now new laws of uh, new legislation has come and it's there's re it's a reverse order that's completely contrary to the bible and it's for this that god will bring the judgment uh, of his judgment and the bowls of his wrath on this country on america and throughout the world so we need to take heed to the warnings and i encourage you all today if you don't know the lord jesus christ he died for you on calvary's cross through um and he bore your sin he, him and you know sin jesus bore your sin he was your substitute sin bearer and he paid the penalty for your sin on the cross of calvary and if you come to him in your sin and then he rose from the dead and he uh uh, so he died on the cross for your sin but he rose again to justify you and if you believe in him who rose from the dead uh, and you put your trust in him and you repent of your sin and come to him put your faith in him you will be justified declared righteous in the sight of God and your sin will be removed and it's all due to his substitutionary substitutionary atoning vicarious sacrifice on calvary's cross thank you jesus for what you've done to him so come to jesus just as you are in your sin the bible says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god there isn't a single person on the face of this earth who's not a sinner you've all sinned and we all need to come to him with humility and acknowledge that he is christ the god and he 
is the only saviour of mankind. Uh, for God has appointed him uh, to be the judge of mankind, but he is also the saviour. Uh, because it says in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But only the name of Jesus. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Come to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying to you today as an individual, he's speaking to you. Come to Jesus in your sin. Repent of your sin. Say sorry. Come to him. Ask him into your life and he will cleanse you in his blood. Because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The Bible says that um, we will be raptured. The last trump is the last of the seven trumpets to be blown, described in the book of Revelation, which I've read to you, um, Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 to 18. At this point, when the trumpet is blowing, we will be raptured. I need to emphasize this, but this sounding of the trumpet is a prelude to God's wrath being poured out on the earth, as I said before. But let me say it again. Um... Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were vo loud voices in heaven saying, The kings of this world have become the kings of our Lord and of his Christ. And the nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time of God's wrath has come. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God has not appointed us unto wrath, his church. Thank God for that. You know, he's delivered us, the Bible says, from the wrath to come through the precious sacrifice of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So while... Um, So, so we've got to that point, uh, what I spoke about before, that um, while the citizens on the earth are suffering the terrible bowls of God's wrath, we will be in heaven before the beamer seat, then the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I got to that point where um, we're ready to come back from heaven with the Lord to this earth. The Bible says that Jesus, when he returns, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives because God has chosen to place his name in Israel, in the land of Israel, and the place that is chosen is Jerusalem. And it says that his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will cleave in two at the power and presence of the Lord. Now, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back not as a meek and gentle lamb like he did at his first coming to lay down his life, but he's coming back as a victorious, mighty, conquering king in all his risen power and glory. He's coming back in uh, the power and the wrath of God to finalize the end of this age uh, by his return and to set up his millennial reign on earth where his government will rule the world from Jerusalem and he will be the ruler but his saints who uh, have been with him heaven at the beamer seat and uh, at the marriage supper of the Lamb will come back will return with him because the Bible goes on to say in Jude chapter uh, I mean Jude verses 14 and 15 Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all the ungodly among them of all the ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. The Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints. Let me make that clear. The Lord is Jesus Christ, mighty God. He's coming with ten thousand of his saints, the born-again church of Jesus Christ, to execute judgment on all, to convict all the ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners spoke against. People in this world have been given a free will. They choose to be ungodly. They choose to reject Jesus Christ. But the day is coming and God has appointed Jesus Christ to be the judge of the world uh, that all men will be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's coming back to convict them of the sin. 
And where they can deny it now and go and do their own thing because God is gracious. He still sends his rain and his son upon this earth to bless people. Uh, they're all on the broad road that leads to destruction and enjoying that broad road, many people. But uh, it is a short lifespan compared to eternity. And so for that time is given them to enjoy uh, their freedom on earth to do what they want and to enjoy the and, 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 and enjoy the pleasures of sin rather to submit surrender the lives to God God has given them free reign to do that but at the end of the day a man will reap what he sows and uh, they will reap this terrible judgment of God because of the words have said against the Lord and because of so many things false religions false cults false doctrines false heresies uh, people that are persecuting christians people that are introducing ungodly unrighteous laws against the church of jesus christ against the bible god's holy word and against jesus christ himself god will come back in righteous anger to bring judgment on these people and they will be made every one of them to bow before the knees before the lord jesus christ now finally listen to the prophet zechariah thus say Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. There again emphasizing the return of the Lord with his church, the born again church of Jesus Christ. That's in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 5. Now Jesus said to his church, be ready because I will come at an hour you're not expecting. And God is putting out words today, prophetic words, to warn his church to wake up and to be prepared and also to start to proclaim end time signs. You know, we need to interpret the Bible properly. This is why the book of Revelation is given in the prophetic scriptures, so that we may look into them prayerfully and let the Holy Spirit interpret them to us. And then we can interpret the signs of the times to, this, to the church and to the world and to keep them on track so they'll be ready for the coming of the Lord. And so... Um, I apologize that um, obviously the content of the message I ministered in the church this morning is not here. Um, but this is the uh, basically the outline of my message and I hope you've got something from it. Thank you for listening.